Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Come on, say amen. Come on, put those hands together in anticipation for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. As we look over our shoulder at what God has done, we also look down at our feet to make sure they're planted soundly. And then we look ahead. We look out over the expanse, believing that God will take care of what's coming around the corner. God is going to take care of his people. For those of you that are joining the church, I want you to get in. I want you to get established. It's time for you to function. I'm not here to push you into anything you're not ready to do, but I need you on the team. We got too many souls that are dying and they need to be on the team. You need to be on the team so we can work together. It's so good to see the people of God coming into the house of God. I remember when I look at you, my mom used to make sure on Easter Sunday that we all got our JC Penny suits, <laughs> our Sears shoes. <laughs> and they would bring us in to the house of the Lord. Aunt Gussie, he used to do it. My mama used to do it. My daddy used to make sure we had everything in place. And I'm so grateful. I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord. If I could, I'll hug and kiss all of you. It's been a long time coming, and a change is going to come. <laughs> I waited all last year, but now I finally see the sun. <laughs> can you imagine our people coming back to service again? Can you imagine when we can fellowship again? Come on, no mask, no distancing, draw close. Thank you, God. I'm anticipating this passage of scripture out of uh, Isaiah 63 is not a familiar passage for Resurrection Sunday. But I shall make mention of your loving kindness. Isaiah writes about making mention of the loving kindness of the Lord, the praises of our God. Why would we praise him? He's done great things for us. According to all the Lord has granted us, according to the things he's done, we ought to give him praise. I know it's been a tough year. I know there's some stuff that has happened in our lives, but we should give him praise. He spoke to me and said, I'm still looking for my worship and my praise. Even in the midst of all of the things you're going through, you got to lift up your hands and give God the glory. I know there's ash, but give him praise. I know there's pain, but give him praise. I know people have left you, but give him praise. I know there's a misunderstanding, but give him what? And when you give him praise, you open yourself up for the things that God has in store for your future. And the great goodness. Give him praise for the great goodness he has shown to the house of Israel, to the nation to the Americas. He has been good. Though we may be chaotic and separated and despondent, God is always good. He has granted us this great access and grace according to his compassion. It's compassion, another word for love. As I minister to you today from the subject, he did it. He did it for love. We see here in the word of God, which he has granted them according to his compassion. 
It's because he loved us that he's been good to us. That he's been a loving and a kind God. And according to the abundance of his loving kindness. For he said in his heart, these are my people, surely they're mine. Sons who would not abuse their authority and deal falsely with God's people. I want to encourage you as we stand at this wonderful place in our church history on Resurrection Day. You want God to say, you're a son of God. And I can depend on you that you would not deal falsely with my people. You won't use tricks to run church. Manipulation to get things done. There will come a day when men will not endure sound doctrine, but not for you. You teach sound doctrine. And all things and all their afflictions. Scripture says he was afflicted. So in everything that we will endure in the future, know that he has already paid the price for it. I love this. And the angel of his presence saved them. The angel of his presence. I believe it's a, it's a metaphor of who Jesus is to the nation of Israel and to the world. In his love, here's that word again, he did it all for love. In his love and his mercy, he redeemed them and lifted them and carried them all the days of old. Wow, what an extraordinary prophetic season we've entered into right now. We're celebrating the uh, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day. Someone asked me, why do we call it Easter what does it mean? Well, Easter, the term is really a pagan term. It comes from the goddess Esther, which is the goddess of fertility. And that's why you see a lot of people with Easter egg hunts. The egg, like rabbits, they reproduce more and more. Now, there are people who like the Easter egg hunt for the kids, but they don't know where it came from. We are not afraid of the term Easter. Even though it may come from pagan gods, we still use it because God in the kingdom can use anything to attract people to him. For the Magi, and if you read the scripture, the Magi saw a star. God don't use stars today to lead you to him. He uses the Holy Spirit. That's like Zodiac. So for those of us that want to preach the, the Magi found Jesus through the star, we don't preach Zodiac. But he used it to bring them to Christ. Are you listening? People are too religious. The world knows Easter. They know nothing about resurrection. So come on in to our Easter service so I can tell you what the real meaning is about. And I want, I want our people to stop trying to be real spiritual. You hear people on Facebook, this is not God. Church is talking about Easter. You can say it all day. God knows your heart. We are saying Easter service because we want people who don't know resurrection to come on in so you can hear about what it's all about. This is a prophetic season. We're celebrating our 26th year of ministry. At the same time, it's a combination, a combination of celebrating the Easter service and 26 years of success in ministry. Say it with me. God is great. <laughs> See, he's so great. Uh, I could say he's good and great, but I'm going to start with that. He's great. And he wants you to go for great. He allowed us to synchronize in the last three days as we celebrate our church anniversary. We actually start the church on the second. This year, the second was Good Friday. He's great. He's awesome. Say, God is awesome. We sing a song here. Our God is awesome. He can remove mountains. Heal me in the valley. Hide me from the rain. He's also a mighty God. I found it out over the 26 years. I can't tell you how we came through a storm. I don't know how he preserved our church when no one is in the building. Over a year of support. He's an awesome God. He's also graceful. 
in his dealings. One of the worst things you can do if you're dancing with someone is to spend them before the song ends, you walk away. One of the worst things you can do with a baby before you set them down, you drop them about three feet from the floor. You haven't finished it until you're graceful enough to let them rest. One of the worst things you can do is have me preaching and have me out there but won't say amen. One of the worst things you can do with your wife is fall asleep while she's in a sentence. You got to let her finish the sentence. Are y'all with me? One of the worst things you can do is somebody send you a text, you respond to it, they respond back, you don't say nothing. You drop me. God is graceful. He wants us to be graceful. In other words, in every transaction, use some grace when you're dealing with God's people. We've been dropping each other too easily. Over the last year, we've dropped each other. We've gotten used to not having to deal with people. We've gotten used to sending a text and you should have it. But God wants the grace to come back in the church. Amen. Our God is merciful. So where's the mercy? If he's merciful, where should we be? He decreed that goodness and mercy will follow us all of the days of our life. And if mercy is following us, then we should perpetuate the mercy. We don't let anyone use us. Mercy is not a, a mechanism to be used. But we should extend the grace of God and not give people what they deserve. Our God is a promise keeper. We've seen it. The promises that he gave us years ago. He told me grace and mercy will never leave this house. And I've seen people starting over again. Able to drop, drop their, their issues. Leave it at the altar and move forward. He's a healer as well. Let the healed of the Lord say amen. He is Jehovah Makedesh, a sanctifier. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. I like this one about God, and I've seen it over the years. He's a reconciler. Glory to God. When he's done, all of the books match up. And he can pull bad parties, people who never would speak with each other. And all of a sudden, covenant is reestablished. Come on, my God is a provider. Come on, he's El Shaddai. Say that, El Shaddai. He provides for us every season. We've stepped into spring, and so he's providing for us. I'm decreeing and declaring all through the season of spring, God is going to help you to spring up in areas that you've been, that you've been bearing in. You're going to spring up financially. You're going to spring up uh, emotionally. You, you, you've lost your loving feeling, but the spring of God is coming to you. He's also a guide. He's also a guide. He's been a guide during nebulous times, dark times. He's a teacher as well. And he's a friend. This season extraordinary. It's an extraordinarily prophetic season for our church. As we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. Along with our 26 years. Death, burial, and resurrection. Good Friday, April the 2nd is when we started the burial and then the resurrection. Write it down. We're onward bound. We're moving on. We're moving forward. The Lord gave me a three-tier years ago. I want to remind you of it today. He told me that we need to reach up. Secondly, we need to reach in. Thirdly, we need to reach out. What do you mean by reaching up? 
This is the this is the mandate of our church. One of the mandates of our church is to reach up. Never forget reaching up. Usually you see reaching up, uh, if you're in a uh, law enforcement officer, it means surrender. Come out with your hands up. But it also is like the, the posture of a child that says, I'm helpless. Pick me up. That's what God sees as our, as our father. When we lift up holy hands, he sees us surrendering unto him. And he's also seeing us saying, God, can you pick me up? When Megan was a little girl, she would always say, Daddy, tell me a story. I'm tapped out, baby. I've told you a thousand. So I made up stories. <laughs> I used my imagination and just took her on a journey. She was constantly reaching up. Glory, hallelujah. Jehovah Makedesh, one time, Megan and I was in a restaurant and she had an accident and threw up all over her dress. And I felt it was a moment uh, in my life where I need to clean her up. I have to uh, honor my wife. She did all of the cleaning of Megan. But on this day, notice I said it was this day, not this year or this decade. <laughs> on this day, she was with me and she threw up all over herself. And of course, everyone came from behind the counter and wanted to help. And I felt like I needed to tell them to step back. I need to do this. And in that restaurant, I comforted her and told her, it's not a braggadocious thing. I'm going somewhere with this. That all of her mess ups in life was tied to my name and to who I am as a person. And I'm going to help you to clean it up. Because we're family. The girl was young, but some way, somehow, I believe it connected with her spirit because I got on my hands and knees in that restaurant and I cleaned her up. First, cleaning her up. Let's clean your dress. We're going to wipe up all of this stuff, make sure you're right. Secondly, we'll clean up the table because that's what everybody can see. Thirdly, we're going to clean up what they can't see. We're going to clean up the stuff that's on the floor all the way to the cracks. I must have gone to the restroom at least seven times with rags and towels they provided it for me. And I got on my hands and knees in front of her. And I believe God wanted me to demonstrate what Jehovah Makedesh does. All of you sanctified people that want to go to church talking about what you didn't do and how you love the Lord. Let me tell you something about God. There's some righteousness you'll never get without Jesus. Without him cleaning you, declaring your own righteousness, he says, when you do that, your righteousness is like filthy rags. But when he does it, he does it through and through. Not only does he clean you, what people can see about you, and clean the table, what they can see about your environment, and then the things they, they can't see on the floor, but he goes subterranean. He even goes to the heart and cleans the heart. Glory to God. So you can reach up in your worship. Reaching up to a higher source. Glory to God. I just want to encourage uh, the body of Christ. The Lord just spoke to my heart that many of you are dealing with children that are foul. They have, what I mean by that, they've messed on themselves. Don't throw them away. There are some of you right now, you're, you're really upset with your own. God says, don't throw them away. Demonstrate in the natural what Makedus does. Help them to get themselves straight and then take them to Jesus so he can finish the work. Don't throw your daughter away. Don't throw your son away. God can help you to recover all. Not only did he teach us and told me to lay it out, reach up. We reach up in our worship. Everybody should be worshiping the Lord. There is no entertainment center here at church. 
You don't turn this dial on. You say, that's my favorite song. You better lift up your hands and get involved. Reach up to God in worship. Lift up your hands. Don't worry about who's looking. We protect worshipers here. If you worship God, you're protected. If you're a spectator, I don't know about you. But if you worship God, we protect you here. We also worship in our liturgical, in our dance, and in our intercessory prayer. Reach up to God. I want to invite you to re-engage in prayer, communication with God. As we move toward the National Day of Prayer and our yearly prayer school or school of prayer, I want you to be involved with it and make a commitment to pray to God. As we teach on prayer and demonstrate prayer here in the church. We've been out of the prayer school way too long. We've been out of the academics of prayer way too long. And we've been out of the functionality of prayer way too long. Let the Holy Spirit re-engage you there. I was sharing with a young couple yesterday. God told me to tell the couple, the girl, your life is tied to your grandmother's prayer. She prayed you through when you were a preemie. You came into this world way before time. And I know for a year the doctors didn't think you would make it. But your grandmother, who's gone on to be with the Lord, she stood in the, she stood in the gap for you. She would not listen to what the doctor said. She put her feet down. She will not die. She shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I'm a living witness of it. And now you stand before me getting ready to get married some 25 years later. God told me to tell you if you pray for this prince that you're about to marry, he'll turn him into a king. But it's tied to your prayers. If you got any problem in your house, take it to the Lord. If you don't like the way he operates, take it to God. God will turn that mess into something beautiful. Your complaints don't move God. You may be right in your complaint, but if you turn it over to the Lord in prayer, engage him, cry out to him, he'll turn the heart of the king. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Turn it up. Reach up to God. Turn it up. Truth revealed. This is the 26th. We're moving into the 27th. But turn up the reaching up to God. Turn it up the volume. Don't stop now. Keep moving forward. It's always to a higher source. Then we teach reaching in. Reaching in. That is the life work of the church. Have you called anybody lately that you haven't seen? Instead of saying, I haven't seen in a long time. Have you called them up to say, I haven't seen in a long time and I miss you? Reaching in. It's our fellowships. I want to encourage you to stick with the fellowships. Women. Women, from the wild women to the awakened, let's fellowship from the point men to aim, let's fellowship to singles, let's fellowship to marriage enrichment, let's fellowship youth ministry. Let's fellowship, life groups, ambassadors, let's fellowship. Reaching in is so important, that in reach, reach out and touch somebody's hand and make this world a better place. Watch this, you can. <laughs> Not if you can, I said you can't, say you can. Let me finish it, reach out and touch. Somebody's hand make this world a better place. Watch this. You can. <laughs> All you got to do is reach. Stretch it out. Reach it. People want to touch folk by standing in the same spot. But I'm asking you to reach. Reach for me. Come on, y'all supposed to be reaching. Come on, reach. For Don't you know that by reaching, we've come closer? And if we keep doing that, eventually we'll be able to touch each other. So reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place. 
Uh, you can. Come on, say you can. You can do this. You can do it. Reach in. It's the concerning things. People don't know you're concerned until you reach. It's dealing with legitimate hurts. Not nuances. If you know somebody's hurt, reach out and touch. That touch can mend the broken heart. It can mend nets or strengthen relationships. Many times Jesus, anytime he picked a disciple, they were never sitting up under a tree. They were always doing something. Notice it. Sometimes they were mending their nets. Sometimes they were casting their nets. But believe me, they were doing something. Mending nets means you take a moment, instead of trying to gain something new and expand, and you start sewing up the extensions and the gaps that were created from the abundance of the use. When you're working in ministry, you got to pull back sometime. This whole year has been a mending process. Oh, we did good for 24 years, but we started becoming so good at what we do, we stopped speaking. Oh, we're making so much money, two cars now, house, all of that. I, I, I think I'm, I'm not going in this Sunday. Because I need some time. I need some me time. See, you got to take some me time. What, what, what do you mean? What is me time? If I had me time, I wouldn't be a pastor. I'm in the kingdom. Y'all understand that? Of yes, you can do something. Yes, you can go on a vacation, but you can't live on vacation. And we work and well. Sometimes I work and I can't understand. Sometimes I work and I got three hours of sleep. Sometimes I work and my body is hurt. But God know what time it is. And don't complain when he blessed me. Because I'm stretching out and reaching out to the people of God. When you don't reach at all. We got to learn how to reach anyway. People are going through legitimate hurts. And when you reach out and touch them, God will use that touch to mend that. And relationships. Glory to God. Reaching in, reaching in, then reaching out. Watch this. We reach up first. We reach in second. Then we reach out. There are people who will reach up to God and they go first. First thing they want to do is reach out to people that aren't their family. But the key is to reach up to God. Reach in to the people that you're dealing with. And then you reach out. If you don't do it in this order, you'll take your dysfunction to the people that you reach out to. When you reach in the people, not only do you heal them, you heal yourself and you get ready to deal with the masses. God told me to re-establish that. You want a broader scope? You got to reach up first, then reach in and heal and your scope will widen. There are lenses out there. If you want to take a good picture, you don't take a lot of pictures like that. But there's a time we want to take a picture of a landscape, a broader scope. You put that lens on and you'll be able to catch the broader picture. A lot of people are narrow in their vision. But God wants you to have a broader picture. You can't get that until, spiritually until you first reach up and then reach in. Then he widens your view. Don't tell me you got a wide view, but you never reach in. Don't tell me God has sent you to the world and you got a jacked up family. You got to try to heal your family. Then you go to the world. Are you all listening? Your family don't have to be perfect, but you got to still reach in. I'm preaching today. A wider angle. As I get older, God has given me a great periphery, a view, a peripheral view of life. I don't just see what's ahead of me. I don't just see what's ahead of me. I can take it years in the past. I can see precedent. I've seen this before. I don't know what's going on with these people. But people are wearing weird colored, colored glasses now. Like the weirder it is, that's, that's what's in. 
Well, I've seen things like that before. It should be years ago, a man was walking down the street with a fish aquarium shoe. In other words, fishes. He got fishes under his feet. That everybody thought that was cute. I think it's crazy. It was crazy then. It's crazy now. But some people think, oh, man, that's new. And because it's new, they jump on it. I've seen it all. There was a time when Afro was in, then Afro went out. Then Afro came back in. There was a time when big glasses were in, huge glasses. Then it became very thin. Now the big ones are coming out again. So you want a wider angle. You know, when I make a decision, and I want you to think about this, I don't just make a decision that's transactional. In other words, how is it going to benefit me? Because it may benefit me initially, but it may not be good for the overall picture. So when I make a decision, I make sure I bring to the table wisdom. Also precedent that's tied to history. Also experience. Also education, character, and integrity. And what does the Holy Ghost say about now? Because a yes then doesn't mean it's a yes now. When you reach out, you need a broader, a broader view. Actually, you need to be more mature than you were when you first reached up. David said, I was young, but now I'm old. There's a distance between his youth and his elderliness. I was young. I did some stuff. I messed up. I, I had a relationship I shouldn't have had. I killed somebody. I thought it was hidden. I was young, but now I'm old. Oh, I worship God. I was worshiping God when I was 17. I was worshiping God when I killed the lion and the bear and the giant, but I messed up. I was young. But now I'm old. <laughs> and a yes then is not a yes now. God will not tolerate it now. God will not deal with me the same way now. I know too much about him. He's brought me through too many wars. You know how many javelins went right across my head? Do you know how many devils tried to kill me on the battlefield and God brought me through? There's no way I could have hid 300 men from Saul in a desert land. He hid me in his pavilion. He took care of me. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil while I was young. But now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I'm looking at my children. He take care of my children. He's not just taking care of me. I'm watching him move with my son. I'm watching him move with my daughter. Come on. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me when I'm old. All of the days of my life. When you're dealing with the public, you got to have a broader view. Not about feeling and emotion. I got history with him. He's brought me from a mighty long way. I watch how he handled my daddy. He's got a fifth grade education, but he brought something out of the man. Look at his children. Hallelujah. He may not have been able to achieve it himself, but look what he's produced in the world. So how in the world, if I got all of this chance today, that I'm going to complain about what I don't have? If God can bring this out of my father and produce a Merton, what is Merton supposed to do? You can't make any excuses anymore. I was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No seed. My children don't have to beg. God is providing for them. They may not be worshiping like I worship, but I put something in the atmosphere. I put prayers up there. They're tapping into blessings they don't even know about. 
You need a wider angle. You got to think outside of the box now. Glory to God. This is where our church is. We're not just a new church. We're a seasoned church. We got to think out of the box. We got to make sure everybody gets their inheritance. If you don't know cycles, you'll see a young church seems like they're thriving. You'll be like, well, why? We used to do that. That's what we used to do. I was young. I used to work all night. Laugh all day. But now I need eight hours of sleep. I was young. When I first started getting gray hair, I didn't like it. Now I grow it all out. I don't care what you think. My wisdom is with me. I'll wear it well. I was young. Now I'm old. I know you want to be Miss Diva, but after a while, you got to learn how to work with what you got right now. You can still be graceful. You don't have to let it all go. I'm preaching. Reach up, reach in, then reach out. Don't reach out if you've never reached in. You don't care about yourself. You don't like yourself. You don't want to take pictures. You got to learn how to reach up, reach in, then you reach out. And buying yourself gifts is not reaching in. It's working on the scars of your heart. Inner healing. Inner healing. I know the scars. When I watched the movie Forrest Gump, I laughed and I cried and I laughed and I cried. You know why? Because I can identify with Gump. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and in ministry, it's like a box of chocolates. You're not supposed to know everything. You open up the box, it's a little different flavors, an assortment of flavors. Sometimes you'll like this one and sometimes you don't. Keep on flowing. All for the sake of love. What is love? In the scripture it's called agape. Agape. A-G-A-P-E. Agape. 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 It's chiefly represented in the scriptures as an attitude or an attribute of God. Love is an attribute of God. If you say I love and you don't know God, you may not be dealing with the true nature of love. You may think you are, but it is incomplete if God is not involved because it is an attribute of God. I've got many songs about love. What's love got to do with it? Tina Turner, I can go on and on and on. Listen, let's put all that to the side. Let's talk about biblical love. It's an attribute of God according to the scriptures. Write it down. God has feelings. Our God has feelings. He can feel. He can see. He can speak. He can communicate. He shows affection. When Lazarus died, the Bible says Jesus, he wept. He also stood on the mountain overlooking Jerusalem. He wept. He cried out. He said, you missed your visitation. I was here with you. And you didn't recognize me. The Bible says that God repented. He was sorry that he made man. God can feel. And if you ever want to be a successful preacher today, stop trying to preach like the preachers of old. Let God give you your own unique uh, style, but what you want to do is you want to ask him, what do you want the people to feel? What do you want them to see? And what do you want them to hear? And he'll give you your style. What do you want them to see? Feel and hear. Here's the fourth dimension. What do you want them to do after I preach? 
Love is a Christian virtue. A Christian virtue. And if you have seven of them or ten of them, you need to know what a virtue is. A virtue. A virtue. Like character or integrity is a virtue. Honesty is a virtue. How many of them do you practice? Do you say, when you do a New Year's resolution, let's go beyond, I need to lose some weight and I need to get my body right. Because this is going back to the dust. What, what are you going to do about the internals, the software? What are you going to do to soften your attitude? To smooth out the rough edges? Year by year. Love is a Christian virtue. It's the only word in the Bible that's translated charity. Agape. It's translated charity. And the greatest of these is love. It's affection. It's tenderness. It's passionate. Affection, tenderness, and passionate. And how can we be hard in church? Hard. Hard believers. If love is compassionate and even tender at times. It's not just getting our rights. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's got to be compassionate, affection, and tenderness. It is the preeminent virtue by which all other virtues rest. The whole law is summed up in this one word. Love. Not to say... Uh, in the sense of rendering that all of the law, all of the requirements of the, of the law are null and void. But in the sense that love is the foundation, the fundamental, basic foundation in which all of God's character is built on. I want you to think about it, even with the children of Israel. There must be. There must be a redeemer. There must be a redeemer unless God will kill us all. Think about all of the blood of animals in the Old Testament to cover sin. It's really the mercy of God because that means all people would have to die to please him. But he inflicted the goat, the scapegoat. Aaron would take a goat, grab it by its horns and curse it and then send it into the wilderness. And the wrath of God would rain on the goat. It is the mercy of God. And you need to be here at 11 o'clock to hear the rest of this message. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love. Toward us. This virtue toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates this love is action. Love is not words. It is action. And then in John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hopefully we're going to go to that passage. It should be on the screen. John three sixteen. One of the most familiar passages, and I think all of us should uh, try to memorize that. For God so loved the world. He, he didn't just say, I love you in his words, but he gave himself. He gave his only begotten, his only begotten, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. His word became a man. Walked on the earth. Died on the cross and was buried and rose again on the third day. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. First John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Be tender to one another. Compassionate with one another. For the love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, he that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. By this, by this, the love of God was manifested in us 
that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this, and this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That word means substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As I close this message, the Lord spoke to my heart that Truth Revealed is going through in his 26th, 27th year, death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, we've gone through some hell and high water, and many of you have gone through personal struggles and setbacks, and your dreams have been frustrated. I'm going to be ministering in the next service to the Truth Revealed Nation. That God wants us to slay all of unproductive activity. Kill it. Death, burial, and resurrection. The second thing he told me to share with you is that we need to bury the dead thing. This is what's tough. People don't mind dying to alcoholism and dying to abuse. But they don't want to bury it. They want to be able to pick it up when they want. But if it's dead to you, put it in the ground. When you bury, it's actually the mercy of God because the burial is not for the person who died. It's for the people around who can get contaminated, contaminated. If we don't put it in the ground. Anytime you put dead things in the ground, you're showing mercy to humanity. When you carry the dead with you, you can infect everybody around you. And the third thing is level up in resurrection authority in Christ. Death, burial, and level up in resurrection authority. This is where we are as a church. God is about to add another level of authority as we proclaim to principalities, but also to municipalities. People are casting down demons, but they can't talk to mayors and governors. God is going to open up the door. We're talking to municipalities and not just principalities. And when you talk to the municipality, do not crave his delicacy because he can eat with you. Proverbs chapter 21 and 22. And saying it's hard. He's looking at the price. You just eat and talk. Oh, they gave me. Oh, I love this cheesecake. But they're saying, look at them. They don't even use their fork right. Read the Bible, you'll start getting an understanding. I think it's easier to deal with the principality than it is the municipality. Satan is defeated. And God is exalted. But if you don't know how to deal with municipalities, you'll be speaking in tongues when you should speak in English. Or you'll say government officials are righteous because they go along with what you feel. But they're using you to get your vote. Matt Gates right now is in major trouble. If you don't go with him, all conservatives, and say, I like his policies. I like his policies. I didn't raise up a person to be moral. If you don't go with him, you're going to have to repent for Trump. And to the rest of the church. Because you can see things Trump did, but you say, I'm not going to say anything because I like his policies. Then like Gates. And if you can't do it for both of them, your stuff isn't consistent. Call out wrong when it's wrong. I don't care who it is. Be a Nathan if you're a man of God. Be a Nathan. If David is wrong, you got to say, David, that's not right. You can still love him. What did Nathan say? You're wrong. But God says, I know your heart and I'm not going to kill you. You're just going to have to go through a few changes. And I won't forsake you either. Don't look for salvation in politics. It comes from the throne. God uses them to get his work done. 
but don't get it twisted. There's evil in this world. There's evil in our government, not just after Biden took over. There's always been evil. And the church must stand over and against it and be prophets to the nation to say, this is right and this wrong. And if y'all can't stand with Gates when he's wrong, call out and say, you know what? I don't like his, I like his policies. We're going to stand with him regardless of what he did or what they're accusing him of doing. And you have to readjust your theology with Trump. And that's why I believe God wants leaders to come together. I'm saying it publicly. So all of you all, this is the time where you're going to see the church rise up in authority to speak truth with power. And you got to stand over. Don't just talk about what you like. Actually, people who got the church to go along with those certain things like abortion and homosexuality were separatists. They didn't believe in integration. And in the 60s, they started infiltrating the church and we got to be against this and be against that. But they didn't want integration. That was the seed of what pushed them to do that. You went ahead and bid it, but you don't know where the seed came from. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. And the power of his resurrection. Can the church say amen? amen. Father, I thank you for your word and for the seed that's gone out. And I thank you. For the deliverance of your people. Thank you for the understanding that comes through your word. And on this day of celebration from Castaway Park to now. Our prayers on the river. Our thanks for you. And then now our virtual church and those who are gathered in the house of the Lord. I ask that you would allow resurrection power to lift us up in resurrection authority. In Christ Jesus. And Father help us to be tempered. And help us to say what needs to be said. And how to function and flow like we need to flow. To help the church to become Nathans. And not puppets. And Father I give you praise for Daniels. Who refused to live in the golden tower. So he can speak truth to it. Father, I bless you and praise you for all that you do. Grow us as a church as we celebrate you this year. Grow us into full maturity and bloom. And we will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.